0: It's so great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you so you make better financial decisions in your life. So one thing none of us wants to happen to us, have our car vanish on us, be stolen. And I am stunned by the number of car thefts going on across the country right now. And I want to talk about how we're helping the crooks steal our cars. Also, here we are the last day of February. I talked in early January about gym memberships. Well, I have some new key information for you for your wallet about gym memberships that you need to know that I'm going to tell you about later in this podcast. So the car theft spike around the country is just mind-blowing we got the whole thing with the Kias and Hyundais that we've addressed several times on the podcast, and that was something that started, believe it or not, as a TikTok challenge and became a big thing to steal. But car thefts, it's not just the TikTok challenge. Car thefts are way up overall around the country. New stats show car thefts are up 30%. Over the last year, I mean, it's just a mind blowing thing how much cars are being stolen and solving the crime of car theft, teensy, teensy, tiny, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto is punished severely in the States. The problem is it's a crime without punishment because so few car thieves are caught. So it comes back to us to do what we can about it. And a lot of thefts in a lot of cities are vehicles being stolen, not for joyrides, but to be shipped out with crooked shippers who send those cars to somewhere in a developing country, never to be seen or heard from again. Sometimes vehicles are stolen by order. They want this car, that SUV or whatever, and they're stolen, made to order, and then next thing you know, they're on a boat disappearing. Others are chop shopped and then others still are joyrides. Okay. The solving rate of car thefts, like 9%. 91% of the time, crime without punishment. That's stunning, isn't it? So over and over and over and over again, all being like at a convenience store. And what do you see? A vehicle with no one in it with the engine running. Yeah, I'm just running in for a second. Well, crime of opportunity. Somebody sees an opportunity to steal one for money or joyride or whatever because you leave it sitting there because you just ran in for a second. Don't do this. Don't do it. Another thing, you can get... The various brands of tags you put in a car that allows you to track its movements real time, whether you have an iPhone or an Android, you can track the movement of your car. So if it is stolen, one of the big problems is they're gone with the wind. Why do people not steal Teslas? Because Teslas are connected real time every second of the year you can see exactly where it is. So criminals know this. They don't steal Teslas because before you know it, if the police are really on the job where you are, you might have a helicopter over you or a police car coming after you because you're in the act of driving that vehicle stolen. Other brands don't do this yet. But if you put in, hide one of the devices in your car, whether it's an AirTag or any of the other brands, you then have real time where it is and where the criminals know they're being tracked in a Tesla. They don't know in your vehicle. So first thing, prevention's best cure. Don't leave it unlocked with the engine running. Two, put in a device where you're able to track it. The car theft thing, things go in waves. Car theft way up now, but what goes up will come down. And Krista, you want to start with another Kia Hyundai question to add to our big list of people we've heard from who are suffering from the Kia Hyundai thefts.
1: Yeah. Jessica in Kansas wrote in and she said, over a year ago, my husband and I bought a 2019 Kia Forte. We were looking for a reliable car with good gas mileage to save a little on our monthly gas expenses. Recently, I received my renewal statement from our car insurance and discovered that our premium had skyrocketed. I began to shop around in other insurance companies and even obtained an independent insurance agent to help me do some research. Every single insurance company has declined coverage for us because the Kia is too risky. They lack standard anti-theft software and the number of thefts has grown exponentially. I still owe $12,000 on the principal on the principal balance of the car and I don't feel selling the car would be a good option or ethical. Do you have any suggestions or insight? Also, I wanted other listeners to be aware of this problem.
0: Key and Hyundai messed up on certain model years of certain models. That's why the TikTok challenge thing happened, because they're ultra, ultra easy to be stolen. So many people are being harmed directly in the wallet because of this negligence. It's not alleged negligence, negligence of Key and Hyundai. Ultimately, I hope that people will receive decent compensation from all the lawsuits that class actions being filed against Kia and Hyundai, but that doesn't solve your current problem. So selling it you're going to get clobbered trying to sell it because the values of the affected models depressed and to my knowledge there's still not a viable fix from Kia and Hyundai. And if I were you, I would immediately do what I said with, if your iPhone, do an AirTag. If you're not, do one of the uh, other devices where you can track the movement of yours if it is, in fact, stolen. The fortes are not being chop shopped. They're not being shipped overseas. They're joyride thefts. So knowing where it is allows you to recover it before too much damage has likely occurred and too much time has passed. As for the insurance issue, you face a difficult choice, and that choice is you have a loan. You're only going to be allowed to raise the deductible so high on that car, but raise it as high as your lender will permit you to to get the premium down on the insurance. It's going to be a burden on you. This is a burden on society with what's going on with these Kias and Hyundais. It is A terrible, terrible problem that is Hyundais and Kias to solve with putting aftermarket retrofits on these vehicles to make them more difficult to steal. I wish I had a better answer. This is one of those things. We talk about this in my TV work. We call this when bad things happen to good people that you've done nothing wrong, but you're suffering because of something that happened out of your control.
1: Nicole in Arizona says, I live in Arizona, which has a state tax deduction, 2K for singles, 4K for couples for 529 contributions. I have no kids and no intention of returning to school, but I'm considering funding a 529 for the tax deduction and then rolling it into a Roth after 15 years. Thoughts? I make 75K gross and expect a 2% annual raise. I take the standard deduction on my federal
0: taxes. Nicole, it's interesting, the thought process you've gone through with this. The benefit of the deduction is not enough for the complexity of what you're adding in your life. You're looking at setting up 529, name yourself as beneficiary, contribute to it, you can contribute and have total in it up to 35 grand, and 15 years down the road, convert it to a Roth. I would just keep this simple ignore the value of the tax deduction because overall it's not enough for the complexity. And Congress could later change the rules. And by the time you're ready to do the Roth conversion, you can't do it anymore. And then you got money in a college plan that you're gonna suffer, ordinary income tax and a 10% penalty. Just cut straight to the chase, contribute that money to a Roth IRA. The costs will be, if you go with one of my low cost favorite children, The costs will be lower in the Roth than they are in the 529 plan, which will, over the years, make up for some of the loss of the Arizona tax deduction.
1: Joseph in Massachusetts says, I don't own a car, but I rent cars through Zipcar and major rental agencies like Alamo, cetera. I would like to be able to not elect coverage through Zipcar or the rental agencies, but insurance companies don't sell coverage to people who don't own a car. I want to know how to protect myself when renting cars, including liability protection. I have a Chase Sapphire Reserve credit card, but I'm concerned that won't provide enough coverage. I have a net worth larger than Massachusetts minimum liability coverage of 300K provided by ZipCars Insurance. I'd also like to be able to have confidence that I don't need ZipCar or rental agency insurance. What should I do?
0: Okay, a couple of things here. You've gotten bad advice from insurance company representatives. A common product, particularly in the Northeast and New England, where a lot of people don't normally own a car, is what's known as non-auto owner's insurance. And it's available, as best I know, all over the country, where you buy a policy specifically known as a non-auto owner's policy. In fact, if you go on whatever search engine you use and you put in non-auto owner's insurance, you'll see briefings about it. You'll see companies that sell it and you'll be able to buy that liability coverage. The other thing is, if you have enough assets that you're worried about outstripping liability protections of 300 grand or more, you may be somebody who needs an umbrella insurance policy. This is a policy that overhangs your life and in all phases of your life, if you have a liability issue and you exhaust the liability coverage you have, it then goes against your umbrella, which you buy in multiples of a million. Because the, the chance of you having an umbrella claim are so small, the cost of this insurance is amazingly small for what you get. The first million is usually a couple hundred bucks, and then each additional million is even cheaper yet, because the risk to the insurance company keeps going down. But it gives you that blanket of protection you're looking for in your life. But start with what I mentioned, the non-auto owner's insurance policy, because that's your first step. Chase Sapphire Reserve will protect you against the damage to the vehicle you rent, but it will not protect you against the damage to somebody else's vehicle if it's found to be your fault. So having a liability policy that is with you is very important. And I hope that you're never, ever in an accident in a rental car, ever. But they do happen. So, gym memberships, every late December or early January, without fail, you can hear me do my stuff about how you join a gym. But there's something new this year that's become really clear in the last week that I want to make sure you know about if you're hearing a pitch from any gym you're already a member of or when you're thinking about joining, and that's coming for you straight ahead.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: gyms went through either death experiences or near-death experiences during COVID. When gyms in many states were forced to close for extended periods of time, other states for a shorter period of time, and even in states where they were allowed to open, overwhelmingly, people didn't go back to the gym, didn't join gyms. And so, so many workout facilities failed in 2020 and 21. 22, they roared back as people were so psychologically wounded from isolation. We are social beings and people wanted to be around other people. And so 22 was a good year back for the gym industry. 23 was awesome for the gym industry. And now new stats they've been tracked in the industry, reported on recently by Bloomberg, show that that has now reversed. And a lot of people who wanted that togetherness of a fitness center now aren't going what they call footfall. That's the number of people walking into gyms way down. January was really unusually poor for the fitness industry. And it means that A lot of fitness facilities are going to face financial pressure. You're going to see whenever this happens, I've seen this in recessions forever, and we're not in a recession, but for the gyms, seeing reduction in footfall, foot traffic is significant. And what will happen is gyms will need money to pay bills. And what you'll see happen as we roll through the months, particularly as the weather gets warmer, And it's harder for gyms to get people to come in or to join. So you're going to see a lot of offers with really special membership deals if you pay up front for a long period of time, uh, as long as three years if a state permits. So what that means to you is if you pay a big up front for a gym in most states, if that gym then closes you lose all that money. And wow, have we seen that movie over and over again and heard from so many people over the years who paid an upfront for a multi-year gem thing. Gem ceases to exist. The worst case we had was where someone joined, paid big upfront money, and they had to pay from a debit from their checking account. And the next day, the gem closed and they lost all their money. So be aware and be wary that if the footfall thing is real and the number of people going in is a sustained problem, that gyms are going to have trouble maintaining their facilities, keeping them clean, the equipment in good shape, so you're paying for something that the experience will deteriorate or gyms could close. It goes to the core of something I've always believed about gyms. You join a gym, a fitness center, that you are a month-to-month member and that you have the right, the ability to quit at any time with written notice of whatever procedure they require to the fitness center. When you sign long-term, you've got multiple risks. One, what I just talked about, that the gym will close or deteriorate. Two, that I've not talked about, it's amazing, but more than half of people who join a gym never go. That's right. They join one thinking they're gonna work out, and very quickly they're out of there and they don't work out at all, but their wallet's gonna get a work out if they signed a long term contract. Don't do it. Krista, you know, you do what's the hottest thing for women working out. What? You go to group classes of different types. Mm-hmm. And that is a real shift in the fitness community is people buying like a pack of 10 classes or paying per class to go to Pilates, yoga.
1: Yeah, there's class pass, which is a very popular thing where people go to different gyms.
0: And you say people, it's overwhelmingly women. when In your classes you go to, what percent are women and men typically?
1: It depends on the type of class. So some are like all women with no exceptions generally. And then some are like as close as like probably 70, 30, 60, 70 30
0: 40 women. women yeah. So, you know, I am now allowed to go back to yoga and I've been going back to yoga and uh, I can't believe how much muscle mass I've lost after four months of not being allowed to work out. So I always in yoga classes, I was always at the back of the room because I was never as good at it as people were 40 years younger than I am. And uh, I was just in a yoga class and I'd never taken from this instructor before. And it was so hard. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to die in there. And all these people in there are doing stuff like effortlessly. (laughs) And I was so glad I was in the complete well, yoga back of the school, class. I,
1: every yoga class I've been in, people don't care. It's a practice. You do, you do what you can do. You know.
0: Yeah, you know, it got a lot of practice in that yoga class. Sitting on my butt. Okay. <laughs> I was sitting on the mat a lot of it. All right, <laughs>
1: Philip in Florida says I received a letter from a law firm in Texas that claims I never paid two tolls electronically that were four dollars each in Delaware more than two years ago. It appears the license plate number was recorded and the bill was supposed to be sent to my residence. The bill from the law firm was the first time I even knew that there was a bill. With late fees included, they say I owe $183 to date. And wait, 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 wait.
0: For a $4 toll.
1: I think it was two $4 tolls.
0: So yeah. $8, $8 is now 183
1: Yeah. Then he says, I never knew it was owed, but I know I was in Delaware at the time they claimed the toll occurred. What should I do? All
0: right. so Philip if you go on any search engine, you will see, you don't even have to put in a state, Delaware pops up. The the toll war between the state of Delaware and people who go on toll roads in the state of Delaware is apparently legendary, not in a good way. Uh, If you look at some of the posts people have, people with $1 tolls are being billed $63. I mean, it's just crazy. And yes, If they're going to have toll roads, the state has a right to receive the money from it. It's the punitive penalties that people are being charged like you never even knew there was an unpaid toll, a toll by plate, and you never received the bill. So what you do with the law firm, their uh, production law firm factory, they just send all these things out. They ask for the, demand the outrageous amount of money. So you write them back. Only in writing, this is all that counts, you write back and say you dispute the validity of these tolls. You then contact the toll authority in Delaware. I I know this from reading everything people have done. You contact the toll authority and you send them the money against the tolls, but you only send the original $4. What I've read is that other people have been successful paying the original amount and disputing the debt with the collector. You don't answer the collector. This could easily end up on your credit and haunt you for years to come, make it tough for you to qualify for so many different things. And what they do is they post these outrageous bills to your credit report and wait till you're trying to buy a home or something like that and you're told by the underwriter, yeah, I don't even know if this is true or not, but you got you to gotta pay it or you can't get your mortgage. So they use future transactions you want to do credit-wise as a weapon against you to pay an outrageous sum of money. I mean, 183 bucks for $8, bucks—that is highway robbery. $4 toll may have been a reasonable amount. $91 and change. Not a reasonable amount.
1: Dale in Pennsylvania says, I have a 36-month, 30,000-mile vehicle lease. I will exceed the miles before 36 months at a cost of 20 cents per mile. Is it better to approach the dealership about ending the lease or purchasing the vehicle before 30,000 miles or wait until the 36 months are up?
0: 100% you wait till the three years are up. Leases are written in a way that if you early terminate the lease for any reason, you were hit with enormous financial penalties, brutal financial penalties. You're much better off letting the clock run the full three years. At that time, based on market conditions, in terms of what the, the vehicle is worth versus its residual, you will either find that you're better off buying it, or I know this is nuts, but it may be better to pay the 20 cents a mile overage to be done with it. You're just going to have to let time be your guide, but under no circumstances, terminate that lease before the 36 months. About two months out, six weeks to two months out, you'll be contacted about what you want to do at the end of the lease, and you'll have time during that uh, six to eight week period to figure out what's your best move At the end of that lease.
1: Sona in Colorado says, what happened to the Clarky of the day? I really enjoyed them. It was fun hearing other listeners in their own voice tell Clark how Clark has helped them. I hope you bring them back maybe just once a week. It could be on Fridays as an antidote to Clark Stinks. The criticism and compliment would balance
0: out. So what's the story?
1: So we received a lot of complaints of people saying they didn't like it and had to tune out and not really... Anyone saying they enjoyed it until this one.
0: So we decided <laughs> so, it probably wasn't worth some, doing. So it was it was a lot of work production-wise to do the Clarky of the day. And if, you know, we respond to the audience and people, both viewers and listeners, didn't really care for it. And so it died. But one thing about us, we are continually experimental. And whatever works we do or do more of whatever doesn't that's the way we've always done things is to follow your lead as a listener viewer or reader so thank you so much for joining us today tomorrow is time for Clark Stinks and we get to hear how I have messed up